Good morning, good evening, whatever time of the day you are listening to this. Welcome to episode 44 of the AG Podcast. I'm your host today, the Ashcoin09, and with me on the panel today, I have the usual Jaminator. Good evening, pal. As opposed to the unusual Jaminator, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not too bad, thank you very much. Um, and also joining us on the podcast today, we have a returning member and a new member. So returning is Suited Recruits. Good evening, pal. How you doing, mate? You right? Good to be back. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. And making his podcast debut is Shelbourne. Good evening. How's it mate? Thanks for having me on. Good, good, good. Yeah, good to have you on, finally, at last. Um, right, so just to give you a rundown of what we're going to be looking at today, we're going to start with the Prem, uh, followed by the Championship. We're then going to go over to Bertie, who's going to give us the latest roundup from the uh, the Golf Tour. Uh Followed by the League One, uh, and then we're going to move over to Joe, uh, who's going to talk us through the last two races on F1. Uh, we're then going to have a little look at the upcoming game of the week in uh, the next set of fixtures, match day six. Uh, and then followed by the listeners' questions, and then controversy corner, which I know we've got quite a lot to talk about. So we're going to start with the Prem, that funnily enough we all occupy. Um, and we're not going to run down from top to bottom because obviously we're looking at uh, a little bit differently this time around. So I've just got some of the movers that have uh, gone from the last sort of podcast. So uh, I'll start with myself. Um, obviously, top of the league at the moment. I've gone from fourth to first. Um, although I do have, uh, I have played two games more than Buncey and Sufi, um, who I think are playing tonight. Um, so I suspect one of them will jump into first place. Um, by the end of the evening. Um, Berger. Uh, Berger's another three points for him. But he stayed a little bit similarly. Not really a mover as such. Um, and I've put a question mark next to him. And I'd be interested to uh, hear people's thoughts. Will he be as close to the title as many think? Um, Jam. Obviously Berger in the past been up there with Sufi. Um, hasn't clicked this season. Obviously, he has his reasons. Um, do you think it's just a blip? Well, I mean, it's a shambles, isn't it? For me, you know, he's um, he's been exposed as the fraud he is. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, no, let's be honest, you know, we, we can't, as much as I'd love to, we can't take away the fact that he's, he's won a fair amount. He's, he's a good player. Um, it's kind of like when Storm says about his formation, isn't it? You know, the fact that, you know, when I played Berger in the league games recently, and I think it was 5-1 or 5-2 that I beat him, um, but he said that he dominated the game. And, <laughs> you know, it's... I mean, I imagine somebody saying that in in real-life punditry. They'd get left out of the room, wouldn't they? You know? I just think that, for me, you can't win 5-2 and be dominated. Yes, he had more chances than me, but he didn't take the chances. So... You know, ultimately, you I mean, yeah. same against Subi. It's about being prolific, isn't it, at the end of the day? Exactly right. Um, yeah, it's, about, you know, it's about maintaining the fact that if you've got chances, you need to convert them. And if you're not going to convert the chances, you've either got a problem with your striker or a problem with your controller. You know, you're, you're the problem. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, seeing Berger down in ninth brings joy to my heart. Uh, unfortunately, but it, uh, while it lasts, it's fun to see. Yeah, um, definitely. I, mean, I can't remember who he played last night, and I think there was a bit of uh, he was having a bit of a rant on the shirt box about something. Uh, Riverman. It was three three. Did he? Lost four three. 
He lost 4-3 and he's had something like nine shots on target or something. Well, you know, missed three one-on-ones um, and was prepared to jack the game in. I think I'd be asking the question why I've missed three one-on-ones. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you're playing someone and they've just been a little bit more prolific in the game, they deserve to win and it's as simple as that. You know, he's very passionate, Berger, and that's what I like about him. But, you know, if the other team has scored more goals than you, they've taken their chances, they deserve to win. Um, Shelbourne, obviously, you're, uh, you've come into the Prem this season. You've dropped in the last uh, set of fixtures from fourth down to ninth. You only took one point out of six. Um, how would you rate your start to the season in the Prem? Well, two wins, two draws, two losses. So it's a bang average. Um, but it's yeah, the, the problem I suppose is for me that uh, I've I've had we'll say, you know I've got that run of games at the end of the season where I've got Berger and Suddy and Bunsey and you know that I'm not really looking forward to and Jam and stuff like that and I really need to pick up points so it's probably not been ideal, been a bit of an eye opener. Um, I, I suppose you know just to see I think it's extremely competitive. I think that also kind of leads into why Berger's not doing so well. I think it is an extremely competitive division. Um, you know, there's not an awful lot of draws. A lot of people are winning or losing, so it's um, there's a lot that can kind of be read into it. But in terms of myself, um, I'm I'm happy enough. You know, at the at the end of the day, everyone was tipping me for relegation. So if I can float around the relegation playoff, I'll be happy enough with that. Yeah. Just to caveat things quickly, Ash, as well. Obviously, to anybody who's not aware, Brian, obviously one of the prem. Uh, Prem guys has been removed because um, he had problems with his Xbox. So obviously Sean's going to come in and replace him. But the, in terms of the table, that's why there's been a few sort of changes as well. Um, I think obviously I played Brian, Berger played Brian, Joby, etc. So just just to add that in, Ash, there's obviously going to be a few changes. Yeah, so there'll that. be some movement. Yeah. Um, talking about relegation, uh, Messi. Uh, Messi is uh, obviously at the bottom. Um, is he an early contender to go down? I'm going to come to you, Suited. Uh, maybe you could just give a little bit of a start on your uh, your start to the Prem as well. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's like Shelburne, really. We're, we're coming into a league which was quite competitive. I think the advantage for us this season, and I, I might get shot down, but when I look at the Prem, I don't think it's as stacked as what it has been on previous seasons. You've got a lot of new members come in this year. You know, Mouse come back, Messi came back. Obviously, me and Mark Shelburne got promoted. Brian was new into the league. So there was quite a lot of new members coming into the Prem. So for us, really, staying up should be doable if we can beat the teams around us. And the way the fixtures have panned out, you know, like Shelburne said, you know, we all play each other. We're all playing each other in these first set of six games. You know, I've got Mouse coming up. I've got Messi the week after. Shelburne's got Mark, and then he plays someone around him. So we're all playing each other so the, what you're going to find is these, these bottom teams that we're at the moment we all may take points off each other but it's how it then pans out come those last four games because then we all have to play Southie, Burger, Jam and you in a run right after we've played all each other so it's going to be quite interesting I think how it pans out I mean it's like Paul Paul's moved up quite a bit because he had two good wins I think against Mouse which which is boosted him right up the table um, so I think it's going to be quite interesting I think the, the actual end of the season is going to be uh, quite a fun run in for the bottom, or shall we say, the guys that were were posted for relegation. So all the new guys that have come into the league, for sure. Do you think it could come down to goal difference? Yeah, I reckon it might do, um, or especially the amount that we concede. 
Um, and that's why I stacked my defence for the coming up. Um, I picked up, you know, Sacco, Yedlin, um, Rico come in because I play him at centre-back rather than left-back purely because of his pace and stuff like that. So I sorted my defence out because I don't want to be conceding four or five on a an average every game, you know what I mean? It's, it's trying yeah. to keep it down to the bare minimum, I reckon. Um, but as the original question, Messi, unfortunately, I think already... You know, he's conceded, what, 32 goals in eight games. That's going to be the problem. Um, same for Mouse. Over 30 goals in eight games already. You know, where's he can stand come six or seven games time? Yeah, um, they're both toying around the sort of relegation uh, spots. Um, and that's going to lead me on to uh, the championship. And one of the guys that looks like could well end up making their way to the premiership. And I, I never thought I'd actually see him make it there. And that is Soggy Cabbages. Um, on, Soggy. Soggy has jumped from fifth to first. He's won seven out of eight, and he's only drawn. He's drawn one, so he's not lost a game this season. Uh, he scored twenty-one goals and only conceded seven. Um, I mean, it's nice to see him obviously attacking a little bit more because he's taking the he's scoring goals and uh, he's found a good balance there. Um, Jam, do you think he can keep this going for the entire season? Um. Well, well, no, I don't think he can sort of, you know, go, you know, unbeaten and uh, for the entire season. I don't think he can. I think he's definitely going to finish in the playoffs. Is where I would put him. I don't think he'll finish in the top three. If he does, it'll be third, and he'll be lucky too, in my opinion. Um, but that doesn't diminish what an amazing season he's having so far. You know, I mean, yes, he's not played um, to my knowledge anyway. Aaron, Joe, or Storm. Um, I think if he'd have played Storm, we'd have all heard about it. Um, you know, I, I, that's the game for me that I, I can't, I cannot wait um, to be on AGTV. I think I might get a couple of beers in for that one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, he's done, he's done absolutely fantastic. And, and like you've just said about the goals as well, for every one goal he concedes, he's scoring three. Um, you know, which it's that I'd be pretty happy winning every game three one. You know, on an average. So uh, yeah, long may it continue. I think he gets quite a bad rep to be honest. Um, when I've seen some of his games recently, he's not been anywhere near as defensive as he used to be. Um, and for me, I think it's it's pragmatism. I think he knows how to see a game out, which, you know, suddenly does that. You know, there's no different to some people doing that. So, yeah, long may it continue and well done. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, fair play to him. Um, you know, I know we've given him enough stick in the podcast before. Um, looking towards the bottom half of the, uh, of the table, I'm seeing Storm and Bertie. Uh, both that are sort of in those sort of uh, relegation, uh, you know, lurking areas, both of which some had uh, sort of pushing towards the top at the beginning of the season. Um, Shelbourne, I'll I, I come to you. Um, obviously, you came up from that division uh, last season. Um, uh, are you surprised to see Bertie down there as far as he is? Yeah, I kind of am actually because any time I've played him myself in you know Friday night uh, cups or anything like that, he's always been a very very tough game, and I'd I'd have kind of fancied him to be around mid table, but again like I mean you know Sue will attest to this. I mean that division it, last season was unbelievable. Like I mean seven of us going for promotion going into like the final set of games, like it's it's just one of those leagues. Bertie could string, you know, a couple of fixtures, get three wins out of four, and all of a sudden he's you know, clinging on for a playoff um, to get promoted. So it's one of those. It's, he's had a dicky start, but um, yeah, no, I, I am surprised to see him down so low at the moment. But I've every confidence in him that he'll he'll get it get safe at some point. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I'll come to you next, Suited. Uh, obviously, from that sort of division, um, who who do you expect to sort of push on this season that perhaps didn't last time around? Um, well, my early my early one was Mackham because Mackham came in late, but Mackham started picking up points come the end, and he was quite hard to beat. Um, no, he was at the beginning, sorry, and he was quite hard to beat because I had him in the first couple of games. Um, and he's made a, a solid improvement. I, w- I would say he would be one that could solidify his place going into the, the playoffs for sure. Um, Jeff, last season, really tough games. You would you'd expect him to maybe break in the top three. I'm surprised by Soggy, I really am. I thought it may be because obviously, like you say, he might not have played the top guys, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And he's picked up the points, so he's got the points in the back. Um, I would expect Aaron... I would expect Joe. I'd expect Joe to to sort of rise as well. Um, uh, Biggie's got a good team as well. Biggie's been playing well. Um, I played him in a couple of tournaments, and he's he's got a a solid base at the back, and he's got some quick guys up front, which will cause problems. So I still say I reckon uh, Jeff for me, but I reckon it, again it can still go under the wire where there could be three or four decent teams at the end, like we had last season, like Shelburne said really going for that those final spots so I reckon it'd be tight again yeah no definitely uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see where things move about in the next uh, the next two weeks um, right we're going to move away from FIFA for now and we're going to move over to uh, the golf club uh, and Bertie has got uh, the latest uh, the latest rendition of what's been going on so over to you Bertie greetings podcast listeners from the AG Clubhouse. We are reaching the end of the season and we've had two events played since I was last on. In week nine, we visited Skinwalker Ranch and this was very kindly sponsored by Malian Hemorrhoid Cream. Here, Burger Boy, who has shown a return to form, emerged victorious, shooting 31 under, winning by a mere one shot from Welza. Week 10 saw Aaron give us over his back garden so we could play an event there at the Amazon Golf Resort. Haley had a fantastic performance here. He shot 22 under and he won by six shots from Jaminator and Burger Boy. This is now week 11 and we were visiting Royal St George's and after this event we will crown this season's AG Tour champion. Currently Wells leads by three points from Paul Laws and by seven points from Red Rhinoceros. Realistically, they are the only three in contention. Week 12 will have the final five, which will be the top five leading scorers in the society playing an event uh, in an Augusta type course called Firethorn. And the same week we will have a fun event for everyone else on the tour. So I'm looking forward to that. Until next time. Thanks, guys. And thank you very much for that, Bertie. Um, right, we're going to move to League One. Um, and I'm going to start, uh, obviously, Hilly. Uh, he's jumped from uh, he's jumped a spot to first. So uh, obviously he had a pretty good start in the, uh, the last time we were out here. Uh, he's won all eight games in the season. Putting him in the dry uh, in the driving spot. Um, 
Rhino is also, he's only dropped two points since the last podcast. He's also had a very strong start. Um, I'm going to come to you first again, Suited, on this time around. Um, a lot of people had tipped um, Welser earlier on in the season to come sort of straight up and sort of almost walk that division a little bit. Um, Hilly and Rhino, are you surprised to see them in the mix? Um, no, I mean, you'd always expect them to be in and around there anyway. Um, for me, Hilly was knocking on the door late last season. Rhino playoffs again and, and, and fell again at that hurdle. Um, I think, again, this season, he's he's high up, but he's had quite a nice run of games up to the point where he lost the tunners. Um, and I think the wheels haven't fallen off, but they've sort of taken a bit of a bump. He lost the tunners. He then got beat by Welser twice. Yeah, so that's not been added yet. Oh, is it not? No, so, Welser will be third when the results go added. Right, OK. So, Welser is going to rise a little bit. Rhino might just stunt his, his race a little bit. But Hilly, I mean, again, going forward, again, he, I mean, I played him the other week um, in the Eliminator Handicap and I just couldn't get near him. He had a two-goal head start, but even still, he played really well. Um, so, for me, I'm not surprised. For me, though, I would like to I say, I mean, I've, I wrote down some notes, but for me, it's want to shout out to the likes of Gaz, Brilly. Um, they turn up every week, they play their games, and they've they've literally got wins on the board. So fair play to them for turning up and doing it. And a big shout out to those guys, because literally you're seeing them improve as well by getting these, these wins, which they haven't been so easy getting last season. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, some of these guys are the guys that turn in week in, week out, don't moan, regardless of what happens, and they're a credit to the site, really. Um, Jam, I'm going to come to you next, and our favourite member from League One, Harry. Um, Harry's taken nine points from 12, and he, he moves into the playoff spots. Obviously, in the past, he sort of uh, toyed with those sort of uh, areas. Do you think this season could be any different, or do you expect him to falter away? Um, I think if he's going to get in the playoffs, it's going to be sort of sixth, seventh spot. He's, I don't think I can't see him going any higher than he is at the minute. Um, he might over the season, but I don't think he'll finish there. Uh, you know, I think Rhino, Hilly, Welser, um, Payne. You know, these these people obviously Worm Worm batted him in them first two games. Let's not forget, I think it was five two in both games or something. Um, so I think there's a lot of better players in there than Harry, and that's not me just having a dig. That's that's the truth. Um, I, do, I think he could sneak into the playoffs, um, but I don't think he'll go up. Um, for me, I, I'm not going to change from the start of the season when I said probably Hilly, Welser, um, Rhino, and Wince. I think will be the top, the, you know, the four that go up. Um, but you could easily throw Payne and MJG into that mix as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, it's very interesting um, in terms of League One. Um, I mean, one of the things I don't think he's added on yet, but I think Gasgrass actually got two wins against mm. um, formerly what was Diadex, now Judge uh, Judge Fred. So, um, interesting for Gazbrad. You know, that jumps him up to 11th place, um, you know, notwithstanding other results. So, fantastic results for him. Um, and like uh, like Suited said, you know, you don't want to sort of, you know, the, the sort of sympathy pat on the back. But, you know, those guys really do do a good job, um, you know, because it can't be easy to see Berger whinge in the fact that he's not converting chances. Um, you know, bless him, I don't think a lot of them have chances. So, um, yeah, it's a big difference down there, but you know, it's um, 
you know, it's a cliche, isn't it? Like we've said, that the championships competitive, League One competitive, Premier. They're all competitive at the end of the day because they're all on a level with each other. You know, the, the players you've got in there, you're always going to have them sort of mini leagues within the league. Um, the the one I had written down for me, um, yes, Hilly's gone 100 percent. Rhino's done really well. Wells has done well. But big Lost Boy. Lost Boy was mm. in bottom three last season, and he's in there in eighth. Uh, in there um, after eight games, in third. Um, which is up, he's only lost one game, he's won five, drawn two. That's phenomenal. So, big well done to Lost Boy. I think yeah. he had a little bit of surge at the end of last season, but he's really carried that on. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where we all are in the next uh, couple of weeks. Right, so we're going to move on um, and we're going to move over to F1 now. Uh, and Joe has got the latest roundup from the last two weeks of uh, the tour of the season. Um, so, over to you, Joe. Thanks, guys. Once again, thanks for having me back. As always, we're having two weeks since the last podcast. We have had two different rounds of the uh, the AJ Championship. We had week seven, which was in Canada. And in week eight, we moved over to France to start off the European part of the uh, season. We'll take a look at Canada first. Division one, we had a really wet race. Um, pit stops didn't come into it. I think everyone knows by now, if you start on a wet tyre, you can stand that for the whole race. So the only people that really pitted were people that took damage. We had quite a surprise winner. We had MJG winning that race. Obviously, he's got the Mercedes, uh, which is very quick on streets. He started a second on the grid. He won the race. We had Soggy in second place. We had Shelbourne in third place. We had Bunsey in fourth. And we had Aaron, who had a very good drive coming up from 12th to finish in fifth place. Soggy Carriages had the fastest lap of the race. Not by far, but it was a really good lap. A 124.3 in the wet. Down in Division 2, we had Brian 1867. He won the race. Fantastic drive coming up from 13th place to win. We had Hilly in second. We had Jaminator in third. We had Mark in fourth. And we had Rhino in fifth. Harry once again showed the ease. He can be very quick. He had the fastest lap of the race for 140.5. Despite the fact that he actually got disqualified for repeated corner cutting. Not something to be proud of, obviously. Looking on to week 8 in France. Soggy Cabbages... Resumed his uh, winning form. He started from third on the grid, won the race. We had Ninja Bean in second place. We had Shelbourne with his second, third place in two weeks. Myself, I went over the line in fourth, and we had Danger Mouse in fifth. Once again, Soggy got himself the fastest lap of the race. I think it was by about nine thousandths of a second from Bunsey, and he got that on the last lap of the race. Well done, Soggy. Looking down at Division 2 again, we had Nguyen's who won the race. He started on pole. We had Mark in second. He also started in second on the grid. We then had Jammer, who had a fantastic drive, getting up in 13th, up to third place. We had Dearest Storm in fourth, and we had Harry in fifth again, showing that he can actually do it when he takes his time. We'll take a quick look at the tables. Soggy's took a pretty dominant hole on Division 1 now. He's got 91 points. We've got Bunsey in second on 64, and then it all gets a bit closer. We've got Shelbourne on 45, Ninja Bean on 43, MJG on 40, and Suited Recluse on 35. Down to Division 2, it's opened up quite a bit. Uh, Brian in has taken a leave of absence. So that leaves Nguyen's on 71 points. We've got Mark on 63, Harry on 55, Jam on 44, and Hilly on 42. Again, we will have two more races before the next podcast. We've got Austria and Great Britain. Like I say, we're into the European portion of the season now. Something to look forward to. We'll catch you next time, guys. Thank you very much.
And thank you very much for that, Joe. Um, right, we're going to move back to FIFA now, and we're going to look ahead as we like to in the uh, upcoming game of the week. Uh, so, uh, obviously, you've all made your picks um, from Match Day 6, which is released, I think, next Tuesday, um, either Monday or Tuesday. Um, so, obviously, we'll sort of go around each one uh, for the division. So, we'll do Prem, go round, Championship, go round, League One, go round. So, Jam, I'm going to start with you first your Premiership Game of the Week pick. Yeah, no, just a quick disclaimer to everybody as well. Shelbourne didn't actually have a chance to talk about League One because we did move on. We didn't censor it or anything. Um, I, don't <laughs> think he, <laughs> I don't think we went round to him in the end, so I do apologise, Shelbourne. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of Game of the Week for me uh, in the Prem, um, quite sort of self-absorbed, but I would go with me and Joby. Um, and, yeah, again, we might have a bit of crossover. Someone else might have gone for it, I'm not sure. But um, in terms of uh, my pick, that would be it. I think um, I've been on a real dip recently, form-wise, um, and I think Joby, he very, you know, he fancies himself as doing quite well this season, despite you know losing two games to Southey, which you know is no mean feat. Everybody does it, um, so I think that'll be a really interesting fixture to see who comes out on top. Uh, Shelbourne. For me, it's um, Bunty against Berger. Um, I think Bunty will take six points and it'll put Berger Whoa. into even bigger trouble. <laughs> depending on how depending on how Bunty goes tonight against Suddy, you know, he could be in a really strong position to kind of cement his, you know, his claim for maybe getting a getting the title in the bag. I mean, even if I go off slightly off topic and Bunty's, he's kind of like. He's always plays second fiddle to Soggy in the F1, and you know maybe it's his chance here in the Prem to kind of step out of the light, out of the shadows, and into the limelight. And you know I think Bunty against Berger could be a, a cracking match and a chance for Bunty to really stake a claim for the Prem title. I would agree. Yeah, um, suited. Um, I've gone um, for uh, you versus Southey, um for a couple of reasons, really. Um, one, I think you've done quite well lately in strength with your team with some of the tractors you've, you've brought in and out. So I think uh, you've got quite a good makings of a team there, which which will challenge him. Um, but the other reason why I think it's quite pivotal is because it starts off a run of games for you, um, where you start playing Burger Jam and then Joby. So if you, it's quite a sort of a tough run of a start of a tough run. But for Southey, it's his last probably real tough game before he starts playing all the bottom six guys. So really, he he wants maximum points from this. You're going to want to take maximum points of it. I can see it really being a clash of the Titans battle. It's going to be an interesting game. My my record against Sufi is not too good, so uh, I'll be hoping that changes for the next uh, the, the next game. Um, right, championship. Uh, I'm going to come back to you, uh, suited. Who have you got for your game of the week pick? Um, I've gone um, Roy Jones Barty, um, and and mainly really based on where they are in the league at the minute, both of them have, have, have had a bit of a rocky start. And it's it's whether it's the step up being quite a big, even big B as well, but I can see it already being classed as a massive six-pointer. Um, Roy's already saying that he's playing well, but not winning the games. He's losing by the odd goal. But he's only played six, mind you. So again, if he can get double wins against Roy, it puts him right back in the mix, like Shelburne said earlier. And out of trouble. So again, I can I, I, that for me is a real big six-point battle straight away. So early on in the league. Um, Shelbourne. Yeah, for me it's Joe against Riverman. Um, quite a talkative duo. So um, I'm expecting it to be an entertaining spectacle with about 12 goals per match. 
Um, and Riverman, the, kind of, the wheels have kind of come off a bit. He's been given out yards about how that's it. Now he's getting relegated and he's on his way down and this, that and the other. And like I don't see that happening, but I think Joe Joe's had a couple of bad results lately. He got two defeats against Aaron and I think this might be a chance to get six points back on the board and get back moving up the table and get River, moving Riverman back down to mid-table mediocrity yet again. Um, Jan? Yeah, for me, that was um, that's the same one I had, actually. I think that's the standout game of the week, for sure, in the championship. Two, uh, two friends, despite what they might want to admit, um, going head-to-head. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting battle for sort of similar reasons that, that Shelbourne said, really. I think um, the winner... I mean, you know, if you look at where they both are in the league, you know, and, and like you just alluded to with Rivers' form and, and Joe's form, they both need the points at the end of the day. So they're both going to be gunning for, for the six points. So it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out on top. Um, League One. Shelbourne. I have um, Wintz against Rhino. Um, I, I, I'm surprised at where Wintz is on the table. and I mean, I always have a tough game against him. So, I mean, I'm, I think with Rhino's recent form, I'm kind of backing Wintz maybe to pick up six points here and, and get the move on up the table. And, uh, yeah, I just think I I always find a very tough game against Wince and Rhino not so much. So I, I, I fancy that to be a, an entertaining game with Wince maybe taking the six points. Um, Suicide? Uh, I've gone uh, for probably what is Illy's acid test. He's got Welser. Um, so really it's going to be a massive massive game for Hilly as his credentials if he can get the, at least a win there to, to keep him ticking along nicely but for Welser he needs to start beating these these guys above him as well to sort of get himself right back in that mix because I know he wants the uh, the league title but I don't think he's going to get it as, what, as easy as uh, people first thought to be honest um, and Jam? Yeah, um, again, sorry to be a copycat, but I've gone the same. Um, it's kind of that immovable force meets the irresistible object or whatever it is, isn't it? I think, um, you know, Hilly's unbeaten record or Welser's title chances, which one's going to get dashed? Um, you know, Welser, yes, he's in third, but, you know, he needs the points. He really needs the points to make sure, you know, again, a lot of people tipped him to have an unbeaten season or finish top. And if he's going to do that, he needs to beat the guy who's currently top with a 100% record. So... Um, yeah, for me, yeah, again, 100% standout game of the round for that one. But yeah, honourable mention to Rhino and Wins as well. That will be a good game. Yeah, yeah, no. Right, we're going to move on and we're going to move over to the listeners' questions. Uh, we've got a couple of them. We have shorted them down because uh, obviously we've got quite a big uh, controversy corner to talk through as well. Um, so Controversy chicane. It's a big old one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is going to be uh, explosive. Um Right, so we've got a couple of questions, uh, and the first question has come from Mouse. Um, when I played Berger in the Eliminator Cup match, he had not one, but two players sent off with no consequences. There were no fines or players missing match days. Is this something that should be brought in, Jam? Yes, on the, the moral standpoint, I, I don't ever, for me, right, and again, I'm going to soapbox event here, so I do apologise. I don't see why people get people sent off in FIFA because I never really see the positions. I don't think I ever really make slide challenges, maybe one or two. Um, and that's the, pretty much the, the main way to get people sent off. If you get someone sent off in FIFA, it's because you've made a mistake. So I'm not having all this bullshit about, you know, uh, the, the game can, you know, you can get someone sent off quite easily. It's not fair to put it. It absolutely is fair to punish people. For me, 
I think, uh, you know, not just um, the players should miss the next match, but I think they should actually get fined. Um, and the way to actually, you know, do this in, in a cup and league scenario would be exactly that. If they get um, a red card in the league, they miss two, like the, the full match day, the next match day. So they missed both games is what I would have if it was up to me. And if it's in the cup, then they get a 500k fine per red card. Um, Shelburne? Yeah, that's actually a good point Jam's made I hadn't really thought about the fine element but I had written down here that I did think there should be a change made and I think now we're in a stronger position as a site where Marcus has brought in a dedicated cup moderator in Brilly and I think it probably is something that's a bit easier to manage now than maybe it would have been last season but I completely agree with what Jam has said I think they're very good points and very good potential solutions to, to a potential problem uh, so it's really hard. It is sorry. It's really hard yeah. to you know as a league admin myself, and Ash, you've done a bit of bit of admin work in this element as well. It's so hard to track red cards in cup games, especially. Um, you know, so for me, I think that would be that would be a real quick and easy way to uh, to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, suited. Yeah, that was my my point that Jam just made. I mean, it's great having that, and yes, it should happen. I don't see why if you get a red card, you should do this to get away with it, especially if like you're through and you've, you've taken out the last man, you've blatantly done it, so you've got to get something for it. But for me, it was a policing of it because people play cup games in different orders, so it's hard to do it. But if it could be moved over to match day bands, yeah, I'm all for that, definitely, 100%. Um, Even the fine aspect as well. Yeah. Um, and next question, this one's for Shelbourne and Suitors, who's come from River. Um, you've both gained promotion to the Prem. Uh, who is the best equipped to survive out of the pair of you and why? Uh, suited, I'm going to start with you first. What a question to ask them both as well. It should be yeah, yeah. answering this question. <laughs> <laughs> How divisive from River, man. Yeah, I know. You know what River's like. Um, for me, um, I don't know. I think we've both got a decent team. I look at Shelbourne's team. He's got the highest rated average team. So like 74 just below that or 74.5. Um, but as a starting 11, I'd probably maybe shade my starting 11 purely because it's a bit more balanced rather than as an overall team. But I think we'd, we'd, we could, we've both got the, the teams to stay up, put it that way. I, I think if we played the right way um, and get ourselves through the, the teams around us, like Messi's, Mouse's, uh, Mark, um, I think we could both both stay up. I mean, we've already played each other, so that game's already done dusted. So it's now what we do about going forward and around us. Uh, Shovel? Yeah, I, I don't see Suited being in the relegation mix at all. Um, um, I suppose what I'd kind of written down was based on, like, Suited's defence is just phenomenal, like, the pace he has. And I know, you know, we're playing kind of full back to centre-back, like, it's a, it's a clever way to, to do it because the heading of this game is so difficult that, you know, by having quick players in there, you're far better off, I suppose. And I just think, you know, and anyone like Jam, I think you've said it a couple of times in parties, like when you play against Suga, it's just so hard to get through. You, you, your wingers, no matter how quick they are, they're kind of null and void um, coming up against Kedlin and stuff like that. So it's just, um, I just think, yeah, like I don't think Suga will beat many goals. So I think you'll be, I think Suga will be quite comfortable in the table and probably better suited than myself uh, to stay up. Just looking at the actual teams, Ash, I've just pulled them up now. I mean, it pretty much echoes what the guys have just said. Suited's defence, again, in my opinion, is is, is superior. Um, but you look at the sort of the attacking options in, in midfield and the strikers that, that Shelbourne's got, you know, it's an array of talent. You've got Paqueta, yeah. Moses Simon, Chukweze, 
uh, Morelos, you know, uh, Ryan Babel, you know, all, all these people that uh, going forward, um, you know, we're getting to most teams, um, you know, the the eight eight million three hundred eighty thousand wages. You'd want a good team for that, but um, but yeah, no, for me again, echoing what the guys have said, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, no, really. Um, next question has come from Paul, and this is sort of a two-part question. And the first part is a little bit difficult to answer from sort of your guys' perspective, but I'll do that part. Um, with the likes of Sophie and Berger coming into leagues and seem to be dominating, where would they stand with the likes of Big Ash and Subs if they were ever to return? Or who is the greatest FIFA player ever to grace AG in the panel's opinion? Right, I'll just quickly mention something uh, on the first part. Obviously, Big Ash and Subs, Subs, you'll, uh, you'll know. Uh, Big Ash was a member um, a while back. Very, very good. Um, very good at FIFA. Always dominated the league with a few other members. Um to answer that part of the question, I think Sufi would, um, because Sufi is prolific and uh, can score goals and uh, take the points when he needs to. Uh, where Berger, I think, where he's showing the sort of last few weeks um, is that he is a bit hit and miss um, at times and is uh, not always prolific. So I don't think he would be uh, sort of in that bracket. Um, but obviously, I'll come to uh, I'll come to your uh, you three now. Um, Jam, I'll start with you. Um, best FIFA player on AG in your time here? Um, I mean, to be fair, I mean, obviously, I came in while Subs was, was here as well. Um, and for me, Subs is the, the player I most liked to watch, if, if that makes sense. You know how people talk about Guardiola and Klopp and wanting to watch their football as opposed to Mourinho and stuff? Um, for me, you know, Subs, when you watched him play FIFA, it was, you know, it was amazing going forward. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, but you know you've got him and him and probably Tans I would say um, would would definitely give Sully a run for his money. So um, I agree, Berger's probably a bit too inconsistent at the moment. Um, but for me, it would be subs. Um, Shelbourne. I'm going to throw another hat in the ring. I'm going to say Kalma. Um I was I mean my first season in AG. He was in the the championship. Um, and I was absolutely blown away by him. And then he went up to the Prem and. I think he finished third that season. He went to or fourth, maybe, in the Prem. And I just think if he'd have stayed on and stuck at it, I think he'd have, I think he'd be every bit as good as up there with Suddy at the moment because he had built himself a very good squad as well and was, was someone who didn't really sell players. He'd, you know, he'd buy a guy and then you knew that was it. He was staying. Um, and for me, he'd definitely be in the mix. Um, Suid? Yeah, I'm sort of like a jam. I've gone tans. I mean... I mean, I've only been here, what, three or three and a half seasons, so, I mean, it's a bit difficult, like you guys in the past, but for me, Tans won that Premier League at a canter, um, untouchable, really, um, and so these are the sort of the new guy on the block, you know, he's he's winning everything on a Friday night cup or whatever in the handicaps or the Friday night tournaments, he's, he's storming away in the league, so I think that would be a good match to see them together, actually, Tans v... Uh, Savvy and actually see who came out on top to be honest I think yeah it certainly would and hopefully one day we'll see Towns back in the yeah, in the sort of Thank leagues again 
Um, right, next question. Uh, this has come from Satie. Uh, this one, I mean, this is a debate in itself and could probably go on for ages, but we'll try and keep it short. What is the opinion of the panel as to how... Uh, sorry, let me start from the beginning. We are all football fans and the Scottish League have decided to end their season now as it stands. What is the option? Uh, what is the opinion of the panel as to how we decide on our domestic season? And would it be fair to play games at neutral venues behind closed doors? Uh, Shelbourne, I'm going to start with you on this one. Yeah, I suppose it's up my um, a bit, bit closer to over here with um because um the, where my kind of day job is actually looking after Shelbourne Stadium um from the city council's point of view, and um. Yeah, the, the talk over here is that basically when the league resumes in June, it'll probably be played in behind closed doors at four venues around the country. So, um, and that the stadium that Shelburne playing won't be one of those stadiums. So, all the clubs there have to, I suppose, get used to get ready for playing games. You know, at one of four stadiums, and only one I think stadium in Dublin will be picked. So, you know, and there's about five or six teams based in Dublin. So, obviously, it gives a massive advantage to that one team. But I suppose when you think of the wider context in say in England with the Premiership, um, I think as long as if everyone's playing at neutral venues, it's fine. I think if you start using, so say if they're using Brighton Stadium, the Amex and Brighton are getting to play all their games at, at Brighton. I think that's very unfair in their relegation rivals. So for me, I think if you're going to go neutral, you really should be everyone goes neutral. Um, Jam. Yeah, again, sort of echo what what Shelbourne said. Really, to be honest, I mean, I've got a sort of a little bit of skin in the game in the sense that my team, Coventry, yes, it's League One, it's not the Prem. Um, you know, we've languished in League One for quite a while and we've got a chance of season going up. So I really do want to see the league finished and um, and hopefully, obviously, us sort of be the crown champions are going up, up to the championship. So for me, I think um, it sounds really sort of, you know, pat it on someone else attitude, but as long as we can get the season finished before we start a new one um, and not just sort of scrap it off, I'm, I'm happy either way. Um suited so I don't know I'm, all, I'm, I'm sort of the other way I know I'm, I'm a massive football fan and I would love football to come back I mean weekends aren't the same but when you look at the news just this week and you see how difficult it's going to be I mean the Premier League come back start training and all of a sudden Monday you've got nine guys tested positive for this virus and then Troy Deeney says I'm not coming back to training because I don't my son is going to get ill and then Mariapa his teammate gets tested positive a day later. I just think there's a massive knock-on effect, which you just, rather than look at the money side of it, you've got to look at aspect of people's safety as well. And it might be a really boring answer, but I would just scrap it this season, let them keep all their TV money, let them keep all their TV rights that they've had this season because they budgeted for it, start fresh next season, maybe cut down the money, revenue, so they know they're not going to get as much revenue keep it safe that's that's my thing even if you go neutral venues multiple teams in neutral venues isn't the answer you know Bristol City have put up their ground to do the rugby and the football if you've got four or five teams a week turning up in those venues what's the chance that someone's going to go through there with a the virus it's you know it's I would just go safety over everything yeah I mean it it's a point it's a it's a good point and it's as i said it's sort of a it's sort of a really good question that could be discussed for ages and ages but uh I mean, you can sit here for an hour and discuss it you know I mean, obviously it's, yeah it's a really tough one yeah no it's a good question though really really good question right we're going to move away from the listeners questions and uh, i'm going to pass over to jam for the next part and the uh the controversy chicane as it's known for this episode <laughs> yeah 
Um, so, I mean, for me, it's going to be a three-parter, guys. So I'm, I'm bringing two discussions to the table. I know uh, Shelbourne's actually bringing something from his end. Um, so actually, before I move on to my two, I want to sort of kick off with Shelbourne um, and, and see what he's got to say first, if that's all right. So Shelbourne, the, the floor is yours for us to respond to after. Well, yeah, I was um, accused of throwing matches, of uh, deliberately getting myself knocked out of the Fantasy Eliminator um, by Joe. Um now, I think it started out with Joe trying to flip into comment as he usually does, saying that uh, oh, there was people throwing games. And I, I kind of picked up on it and I asked him, well, who's throwing matches? So then he asked me, was I knocked out? And then he said, oh, there you go. So, yeah, it was you. Um, but I suppose I'd like to defend myself and say, well, I'm categorically, I've never thrown a match on, on AG. And if you look at my fixtures and my eliminator group, I actually won two, drew two, lost one. The only game I lost was to another Prem player. Um, my downfall was the the uh, the handicap. You know, I just didn't win by enough when I did win games. Or the, like, and in fairness, like a draw against Biggie. Biggie's playing fantastic in the championship. It's, you know, a uh, fairly reasonable result. So I was just very annoyed that you know to be accused of effectively throwing matches. You know, just to save my wage bill. And I I do realise I have the biggest I think I have the biggest wage bill at the moment. So you know, it has worked out well for me, shall we say, but it's, you know, absolutely not something that I would ever go out to do. And I think anyone who's played me, you know, knows that if I do get beaten, I am annoyed. And it's no matter even if it's a bloody friendly, like, a, you know, you turn on the Xbox to win. I don't turn on the Xbox to throw matches. Um, yeah. No, that's fair enough. I mean, for me, the, the thing I've sort of always said is when it comes to the wages, that if I'm a negative wager, which I am now as well, um, and I'm in danger of, of sort of teetering on that edge. I, I would sooner sell a player and keep trying to win and keep trying to progress, you know? Um, you know I, the fact that I'm out in the eliminator at the first stage is you know, it's really done my head in. Um, so, you know, I'm, I really don't want to go out the first stage, but I have done, you know? Um, but um, th- there's plenty of games to be had. So, like you say, the, the money's going to come back into the banker some way. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and obviously whether that be through the league or through the league cup or, or the eliminator. Um yeah, no, I mean, anybody else got any points on that, Ash? Or, or no, I mean, I, I think, I don't think any of us would sort of uh, do that on the site. That's not what we're here for. Um, you know, I, 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 I just, um, I don't think there's anyone that would do that. There's not an awful lot more to add to it. I, I mean, I'm obviously disappointed if they are, and then there needs to be a big question if they are. Um, but I don't believe anyone would do it. Can I just add something on the back of that, though? Go for it. Um, I don't think it's a case necessarily that, but I've Please got... accuse him, because that would be brilliant for <laughs> <the> podcast. <like. laughs> <It's eerie. laughs> for, for me, on the back of Shelbourne's comment, though, it's that fine line, you know, is he really accusing you? But the problem is, is there's banter and there's an accusation. Now, for example, and I'll bring it out, two weeks ago, Shelbourne, you accused me of deliberately trying to ram Bondi into a wall on F1, which I would never try and do. I'm trying to hold my line. Do I take that as as banter or as an accusation? Um, you had Storm last night publicly declare that Soggy was turning off his Xbox at the end of his games around the 75th minute because his players are knackered. You know, it's are, are people trying to have witty banter and trying to get a rise out of people, or is it a, you know a subtle undertone of well, I'm accusing you, but I'm not going to full on call you a cheat sort of thing. You know. And there's a very fine line which people just really can't cross. At the end of the day, we all come on to games. 
and we, we trust that everyone that we game with is, is just playing by the rules. I think there's different levels, isn't there? Like you say, there's this sort of banter um, at one end. At the top end, there's outright accusation. And sort of in the middle, it's kind of like a sort of smear campaign, isn't it? Mm. You know, I think if, if like, like you said about Storm and, and Soggy, you know, it's, um, yeah, we know that Soggy's disconnected quite a few times towards the end of a, a second half. And um, I mean, the, the, the best one of that for me was I was in a party with Bry, uh, like Big B. And um, I don't know who was in this party, but it was, oh, it was absolutely hilarious the way he came out of it. Maybe it was the yacht to be there moment, I don't know. But he um, he came back on and then he's, oh, I've just lost to Soggy in the cup. And we were like, oh, you know, how, how come he's, oh, well, he discon- his players were knackered and then he disconnected. He came back on, we started a new game. He had a new set of players, he had a new kit and all this. And I was just in absolute hysterics. I was like, a new kit? And he's like, yeah, he had a new kit. <laughs> I was just like, for fuck's sake. But um, but yeah, like you've said there, Sue, and you've kind of rounded it off, really. I think all of us here would like to think that that's not the case and that we do genuinely play with people who want to play fair at the end of the day. Otherwise, what's the point, you know? What's the point? I mean, we saw um, uh, Glynn, is it, or Mbixie, what his name was, you know, boost these players. On AG as well. Um, you know, way back in the day, there was accusations to Big Ash or somebody like that, wasn't there? That they were doing the same. So I think for me, it's just it's just silly. And if it is the case, then shame on the person doing it. But again, Suited's absolutely right. There's a fine line between banter and, and sort of smearing or, or, you know, or, you know, nearly bullying someone, really. Um, and I think sometimes we just need to be a bit more careful before we, uh, before we use our words, um, is, is what I would say. Definitely. Um, right. I'm going to move on to two points. So the, the controversial corner for me is sort of two points. I'm going to start off with um, with F1. Um, and it just sort of follows, really, probably what Joe's alluded to in, in the segment there and obviously what I've picked up on the last two uh, last two races in Division 2. Obviously, you lads are all in Division 1. Um, you know, there's never any controversy there, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the, the main source of controversy in our race, as you can imagine, is Harry. Um, and again, in, this, in the theme of what we've just talked about, I'm not going to start slating him or anything, but my main question here is, is corner cutting cheating, yes or no? Um, and, and I'll come to you each individually, but the reason I say is because Harry um, has sort of said to, um, to uh, you know, Bertie, I think it was the last race, that, you know, you're not pushing hard enough, that's why you're not cutting corners, but he didn't get a single penalty last race. And Harry got three time penalties and it took him from, I think, third all the way down to fifth or sixth, um, you know, and the, and the week before he actually got disqualified because we've moved to strict cornering now in Division 2. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll start with you, uh, Shelbourne. Um, is corner cutting cheating, yes or no? Um, for me, no. Um, the game is too flawed in 2018, so I would, like, there's so many times where you're, it, there's too many corners. It's just, it's, it's crazy, like, how quickly it gives you warnings and how, you know, Sometimes you, you out of nowhere you're given a three second penalty and you haven't even had a warning yet. Like and you just so, now maybe that's you know from my point of view in Division One where there's maybe less mistakes or there's less issues, shall we say? But like to give you a good example there on um, the race most recent one in France, um, Aaron pulled off an overtake move on me as I was coming out of the pits and so he was up the inside and he ran wide out of turn two as it was in France, way off track and held and held the position because he was able to run off. You know, if there was no grass there, he'd have been off the, off the road. And I said to him afterwards, I presume you got a penalty or you got a, you know, a warning for that and you got nothing. So 
you know, like it's it's hard to like in that say she, in that case you would say, well, it was a bit of a cheat that he ran. He deliberately ran wide to hold on to the position. But the game's too inconsistent, so I don't think you can particularly blame somebody when the game is mainly a fault for it, in my eye. Okay, uh, suited. What's your take on it? Um, yeah, for me, I mean, I watched Harry's stream um, this week just to, to watch it, and I get what Shelby was saying that, yeah, it's flawed, but when you are continuously, every lap, every corner, doing it, you, you're gaining an advantage. And when you watch Harry's stream, I know he comes in for some criticism, so I was going to do like a, you know, a bit of a shit sandwich, positive, negative, positive, but sometimes you just can't do that because so you know all right he gave his place back at the beginning he abided by that penalty so that well well done for him doing that he got it himself a couple of times in the first two laps but got on with it but for me when you just keep on going over the corners like he was and even I think when you've got the big overrun uh, after turn two and then on the long straight spending five seconds off a track for me it's just poor driving. Get on the track, do it properly, and stop the cutting. You know what I mean? It's for me. I just, I, no, I can't, I can't abide by it. Yeah, and Ash, what about you? Um, yes, um, that's a simple answer. I think so. Um, not only do you obviously run the risk of um, yourself with a time penalty, which then you just sort of put yourself at a disadvantage, but in some aspect, it can be really dangerous as well. I think, um, if you're not careful. So, yeah, for me, um, not that I see it an awful lot in our division, in Division 1, but, yeah, for me, it's uh, it, it's not right. The other thing to point out, though, didn't he get the fastest lap as well, though, even when he did the corner-cutting lap? Yeah, well, exactly. That race. Yeah, you know, that's so, points on board at the end of the season. Yeah, so that's the other reason. But that's a tough thing for Joe to look at, you know what I mean? Because I was eager to know. No, of course. You know what I mean? So it's a tough one to have that. But again, you know, that's gaining a clear advantage by getting a an extra point if you're going to at least save two seconds of your time each lap. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, the second point of controversy corner, um, just to round us off on the podcast, um, is something that came up for me following something that both me and Berger did. So I'm not, you know, I'm calling myself out on this one as well. Um, at the last BFA, and something Berger's done on quite a few BFAs, he actually openly admitted as well on the site. Um, and it's all around BFA sort of um, exploitation, you know, and whether there should be an early sale fee and things like that. So, I'll start off by the premise and then obviously you guys can give your, your versions as well. So my, my sort of basic idea is, you know, look, at the last BFA, I won uh, a mystery and nanny um, and Berger won two mysteries. He was obviously going for Hulk, didn't get Hulk. So we got Tevez and Rooney, I think it might have been. Or no, Tevez and... Oh, who was it? Oh, Gamera. Gamera. Um, so two, two high-rated players, obviously a lot of wages, popping him down in, you know, a lot of minus payment coming his way. Um, but, you know, one on the night, I think he managed to get rid of Tevez, um, and Gamero left me the day, and they moved the next day. Um, I also got rid of Nanny on the night. Now, again, not excuse anything. The reason I got rid of Nanny was because I won Hulk, and for me, they were both going to play Cam, so I didn't need both. Um, so Nanny went out the door straight away. Again, I actually turned a five million profit, no early sale fee, nothing like that. Um, and uh, and with Hawk, you know, I've actually sold him as well now to Ash in a, in a trade. Um, so he's gone as well. So my point, I guess, is that should we be looking at one, um, either an early sale fee or some sort of restriction that stops BFA players moving? Um, Simply, you know, you know, within within a day or, or a week or whatever it might be, it could be a couple of match days even. 
um, to stop the sort of people who have the most scudo turning a quick profit. Um, and the second point is, you know, Berg has openly admitted that he actually goes in and ups the bids of players that he's not necessarily interested in um, early on. So he'll whack a 10 million on or a 15 million on, knowing that it'll get beat, but knowing that it's going to cost someone more than maybe it would have done had he not done that to make sure other people are spending money. So I know it's a bit of a, a wordy, wordy sort of uh, discussion there, but uh, suited, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you first. If that's okay. what, what are your takes on those two? Um, with Berger doing the bid, and I think that's not within the spirit of the game whatsoever. If you're not going to buy a player, don't even buy bid on him um, to come out. And, as well, I'd make that clear. I, I agree. It's hard yeah, to I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, if he's come out and admitted it, all right, he's admitted it. But for me, that's not in the spirit of the game. We all try and bid. Some people bid really late to try and, you know, get that in that last minute. And that's what it's all about. Not saying, oh, I'll stick 25 million. I expect this one to bid 30. Um, with the BFAs, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, people get them. Um, and it's like, even before they've had their... Uh, closing the locker they're straight out the door again I would like it to be one match day when I was saying that earlier on so if you have a BFA you keep them for at least one match day so at least then you've prepared to pay the players wages for at least one match day um, yeah. you've been on that player for a reason take the hit yeah I agree yeah uh, Ash what do you think yeah um, I mean did there not used to be a uh, I think there used to be a while back a, a fee on BFA players um, I think I think possibly, but I think wait, I think it was being applied, but it wasn't in the rules, so it got scrapped. Yeah, and I mean, it never got brought back in. Yeah, I mean, maybe we need to look at bringing it back in uh, because it would certainly um, add a little bit more meaning to sort of BFA players. Um, in terms of Berger sort of drumming things up, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of that. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's necessary. I see why he does it, but it's just as uh, as Suit said, I just think it's a bit distasteful, really. Um, yeah, no, not not for me. I don't think it's right. And uh, Shelbourne, I'm guessing, hopefully, you're going to echo the same sort of sentiment. No, I disagree completely. No, and I don't disagree completely, but um, I did do what Berger did in the last BFA because and there was method to my madness, right? So Amin Raz was sitting on the most amount of scooter going into the BFA. And we know that Raz has a serious thing for FC Basel players, for whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe someone could explain that someday to me. But, um, so he had put forward an FC Basel player. Marcus had put him in and say he bid maybe it was 15 million or 20 million, I don't know what it was. And it was, you know, he was down, it was down the bottom of the list because no one else had bid in it, blah, blah. So I was like, he was sitting on like 88 million or something. So I just threw in maybe a 20 million or whatever it was, 25 million or something, just to boost it up a bit. You know it's fine well he was going to come along because he had to have his man. So I was fairly confident that I wasn't going to be paying for something I didn't really want. But saying that, I did need a right back. So if I'd won him, I would have used him. I would have had him. It would have been perfect. But also, if I had won him, I would have known that Raz would come along and offer me higher amount probably to, to take him off my hands. So there was a bit of method to that madness. But that was the only time I've ever done it now. But it was, that was, it was kind of calculated, I suppose. I saw an opportunity and I... Used, used my opportunity, and then on the other one, the um, the B or they having to not sell them. Um, I think it kind of generates traction in the market. Like, you know, you you guys did your trade, and um, you you know you've the trade of hold, you've sold Nanny. You know, it gets 
the transfer market flowing, I think if you take that, if you added an early sale fee, it might take a bit of that away. And I think it's actually, it, I, like the amount of transfers you see coming after a BFA is, I think, nearly as better than the BFA itself. You know, it gets people buying and selling because, you know, there's this whole new tranche of 12, 13 players or whatever has to be brought into the league. And for me, I think at the early sale fee, you just lose those extra deals that would happen thereafter. Not all of them, obviously, but you would lose some of them. Like, um, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. And, you know, to be fair, again, that's why we ask the questions, you know, because, again, it's nice to get other people's um, ideas on it um, and insight. And, again, that's something I actually haven't considered was the aftermath of the BFA. You're absolutely right. There are a lot of deals done after. So, um, yeah, I think for me, I just wanted to draw attention to it. I think that it is something we can look, maybe consider. Um, but again, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, won't we? And I'm sure that the courts come towards the end of the season, there'll be discussions on any rules people want to see implemented next season. Um, and obviously, if anyone's got any ideas, and shoot them over in that that particular thread. If um, I can add, if I can add one more kind of just yeah. little point, maybe it should be. Maybe there could be like an early sale fee on the mysteries or something. You know, add a little bit more of a. I suppose, yeah. like, if there's, I know sometimes Marcus throws in a, a, a really poor player, maybe as a mystery, so I wouldn't really hold much water. But if there's a guaranteed, you know, 80, 79 rated player who's going to be really useful sitting behind that mystery player, then maybe it is that you can't sell them for one or two match days that thereafter and you have to pay the wages for forbidden firm. You know, maybe that's yeah. a, an alternative. Yeah, that's a fair point. Absolutely. Um, right, Ash, I'll hand back over to you to uh, round us off. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, as always, uh, it's, I've, I'm quite enjoying the controversy corner. It's, I think it's a brilliant part of the podcast. Um, really, really good discussion. Um, right, so yes, let's wrap up today's uh, today's episode. So uh, thank you to Suited and Shelbourne for coming on. You've both been fantastic. If you want to say goodbye in your own special methods, uh, Suited, start with you. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks for having me back and catch you around again. Yeah, uh, Shelbourne. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'd love to be back on again sometime, maybe when myself and Suited are on better terms, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you both done very well, keeping it civil. Yeah, okay. um, um, Jam? It's like having Keenan Vieira in here, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's like Derek Chisora and bloody Dillian White sat across the table from each other or something. It's brilliant. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, thanks for listening, guys. Um, you know, again, this was meant to be the podcast where we sort of, you know, concentrate more on listeners' questions than controversy corner. Um, but you know, unfortunately, we didn't have that many entrants. So, again, we do this podcast for your enjoyment, guys. It's not a whinge, but please, you know, when it comes round, when Ash puts the post out asking for it, please give us some questions that uh, you want answering and discussing. Um, it really, really does benefit the uh, the podcast. So, again, it's for your enjoyment only. Yeah, no, and obviously, if you want to come on the podcast, it's so easy to get involved. Please, 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 please do message either myself or Jam, because we'd love to have you on. Um, you know, I mean, I'd love to have every single league member on the podcast at one point um, or another like in its right time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, cheers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Royal Rumble. Cheers for listening, guys. Take it easy. See you next time. Yeah.